0: Hey friends, welcome to episode two of the Mr. Mike podcast, Wrong Answers Only. We're building upon our success from episode one, the pilot, and taking all the feedback that everybody gave us on Twitter and some family and friends who also listened to it. We're going to build upon their feedback and go forward with it. Let's go over a couple things that we're going to talk about in episode 2. And I'm more of a loosely organized type of person, and that can be applied to my teaching and my life. You know, I kind of throw my laundry in certain places. My wife gets mad at me, pick up your socks, those kind of things. And, And at work I just kind of have papers everywhere, even though I know what's going on, it looks rather disorganized. So that's that's the type of person I am with regards to organization. And perhaps the episode is going to be a little bit like that, but we're still going to follow like some point form things that I've written down and go through some uh, you know topics and maybe touch upon the news, mainstream media, my interests and things like that. Uh, kind of like what we mentioned in the first episode. So we're going to talk about writing processes or particularly my writing process and we're also going to talk about um, quickly <laughs> the weather especially in canada recently we're going to do a wrong answers only segment where i read a tweet from my twitter recently and we're going to go through some of the answers that people said so we'll get that after and i guess you know that the answers are going to be wrong answers only if you don't live in a wintery type environment like in canada and where you get a lot of snow perhaps you don't know what this sounds like but this is the sound of somebody walking in the snow it's actually pretty uh it's pretty comforting it's a nice sound neighbor across the street I actually cleaned the front of my driveway a couple of times and I saw him earlier today and I asked him about it and he's like I got nothing to do I'm retired it's my pleasure I just said to him like I don't know what to tell you I'm really grateful so anytime you want a coffee or a drink or something to eat I'm like just come on and knock on my door I said you know you're more than welcome to come by anytime you're lonely or whatever because uh, he lives alone he said when the pandemic settles down everything's good and he's like well, we'll have a beer or something like that so i i thought that was really nice and I, I really am grateful about it and i i tweeted about it so thank you to him for cleaning the snow so i receive a lot of questions about the writing processes that i go through or how i go about everything and the short answer is that the writing process is continuous and ongoing all the time. It doesn't mean I'm writing all day Saturday, eight hours a day, and then fine tuning it and get a finished product. I normally write in short bursts. Sometimes sometimes I'll get an hour or two, and I'm just like, I got, I got so much stuff that I just gotta get it out. But I'll, I'll write I'll, whatever comes to mind. I'll put it down, and normally nowadays I just write everything on the computer and put it away. In the past, I've written everything on a napkin, a piece of paper, anything I could find. So I did I did lose a lot of stuff over the years. But normally what I do is I just write. I write whenever it comes to me, and that also has to do with uh, over the course of the year. Sometimes I write a lot during the year. Sometimes I write nothing. Sometimes I stop for two months, and sometimes I write... For two weeks at a time, and then I stop again. It really depends, I guess, on your creative juices and what's what's hitting you when it hits you. But I always write, put it down on the computer. Sometimes I make notes. Sometimes I have a book and I have other stuff that I write about, and I always go back to it later. I don't I don't go back to it right away. I go back to it later, a day, a week, or whatever it is, and I read over it and I edit it and I edit it in a different version. And sometimes I do that multiple times. So a particular poem or Something that I've written, it may maybe went through one edit, maybe went through two edits, or likely went through ten to twenty edits, and that's how that's how I edit my stuff. And then I used to print everything. Let's say if I want to make a package or something or work on. Let's say my self-published book, for example. Uh, at one point, I printed everything, and it was a ginormous waste of paper. So I kept that package, and I just wrote on it over and over again. I still have it; I, I didn't throw it away. And that helped the first time around, but now I don't. I don't do that anymore. I just. Try to, I don't want to waste any paper. So everything's on the computer. I use Google Docs more than I use Microsoft Word or any you know writing programs for that matter. There's LibreOffice if you need something free. But Google Docs is great because you have access to it everywhere. And oftentimes uh, I may not have my computer, but I may be somewhere where I can use my friend's computer where I'm on break and I just want to write something right away and I'm like, I need access to my files. And they're on Google Docs and it's perfect because it saves on the go and you can always go back and and change your work or see your edits and your previous history. So I like that and it it really makes things easier, except when you need to convert it to a Microsoft document, Docx, and upload that to, let's say, self-publishing system system such as um, amazon uh, because sometimes the fonts don't line up and they change so you got to really be conscious of that stuff like importing exporting documents from different programs it's happened where i've done it and it, it looks like you you've edited everything and then you go back and you're like oh it didn't it didn't edit or it made a mistake and you sure you did it but it didn't actually come out the way it is from the from the Processing from the from the exporting or importing and I I get into a lot of trouble with that kind of stuff Even though I still do it. So I I just have to be conscious of it So that's one of the things I have issues with but it's also part of my editing process Uh, Google Docs is there another important thing I find that is incredibly useful is to try to get somebody to Read over your work or edit your work for you get a second opinion get a third opinion. I never used to do that and I find it's inherently important, uh, especially if you're trying to put something out there for other people to read. My wife's helped me a lot in um, the last couple of years. In the past, I've maybe I've shown it to some people. I'm very particular about who I show my writing to. Um, one, because I was always shy about it. Two, you don't want to be judged and you then you feel critical about your own work and then you know you go through all those feelings about stuff but that's actually as you get older you realize that's a good thing you need to you need to be criticized constructively so you can improve yourself yeah you need to you really need a a beta reader if that if that's the that makes sense a beta reader is more for you know if you're writing a novel or a chapter or something like that in terms of poetry because that's normally what i write you know second opinion and multiple actually multiple opinions because your poetry may not necessarily make sense to somebody and if it doesn't make sense to five people it's probably not good but if it doesn't make sense to one or two people and it makes sense to a couple others depending on what you're writing about some might relate to it some might not relate to it so uh, and that happens a lot in, in, in uh, poetry writing another question i get asked about is do i only write poetry and the answer to that is no i have a bunch of short stories and children's books i've tried writing that are all in rough drafts that I've had for a couple of years. I've never did anything with them except for for one I submitted to a, a published author who's had like, uh, I don't know, I would say at least 20 books published, ch- picture books, children's books. And I had it edited by this particular author. Um, her name eludes me now, but she gave me some instructive feedback and I used it. I went back, I redid the manuscript and I never sent it to a publisher. And I really think, not that I, I don't like it, i not I don't think I'm ready to send it or get necessarily rejected because usually you get rejected ninety-nine percent of the time. So I think that's the case with that. But I do I do have writings, children's book writing, short stories, things like that, on top of my poetry just for fun. Sometimes I, I dabble in it. Poetry is my main focus because that's kinda like a journal to me. And I encourage you all to do it. And I do have my poetry book. A bunch of you have picked it up already. I just got the hard copy version of turn off the lights in the mail today i'm holding it in my hand now you might hear the sounds i'm going to try to flip the pages so you might be able to hear that a little bit with the book on the podcast and it's it's cool honestly it's it's really cool i like it i'm not telling anybody to go buy it because i didn't do that for i mean you can go buy it but i did i didn't uh put it together so people can go buy it i actually just wanted a hardcover for myself but i do have my paperbacks um We sold several hundred copies actually, and I've gotten some terrific feedback on it. I'm working on a second manuscript, like I mentioned in the the pilot episode. Whenever I have uh, some free time, which I will be having some free time shortly, because I'll be off from work for about five weeks on my paternity leave, because my wife and I recently had a daughter, and so I get some time to spend with them. And I'm also gonna take some time to work on my manuscript, do some renovations in the house, exercise, maybe shovel some more snow. And uh, I look, I kind of look forward to that. it's really, uh, it's, it's really special, and I think we're kind of blessed in Canada that women can get a year of maternity leave and then men can get additional five weeks. You know, that's our system, we have into it so we can have these kind of, um, these benefits. I don't know if it's like that in any other places or in the States. I think in some of the European countries, they have more and we don't necessarily have the most, but it's still pretty good. I can't can't complain. If anybody writes into me, if you want to tweet me at Mr. Mr. Mike MTL, tweet me and tell me what's your system like? Do you have a paternity and maternity system? Is it five weeks? Is it a year? Uh, Let me know because I could talk about it on the next podcast and I'm sure people would like to know. Let's get into the wrong answers only segment of our podcast. Now the tweet I'm going to read is from January 19th, which is ironically the same time as our recording of this one. And a tweet says, How are you supposed to park your car in the winter? Wrong answers only with a little asterisk. Now we're sticking with the winter theme because I'm so goddamn fed up with snow and we got so much of it. And some of the answers are kind of funny. Some people start telling you, you know, park in some kind of weird spot or park in your neighbor's spot. Big boy Brandon says, you should park it on the sidewalk, lol. Uh, Roran Stronghammer says, first you park it normally, then you pour gasoline on it, and then you light it on fire. That way it stays warm. Remember, these are wrong answers only, so can't take them seriously. They're supposed to be either funny or really, really weird. Lori says, preferably right under a tree for icicles and a bird poop drop regularly. Todd says, it's a snow day. You can just leave your car anywhere. And that's true. A lot of people do that in Montreal. They'd leave their car anywhere. If you can't find parking, just leave it where you can. And hopefully you don't get a ticket or somebody doesn't take it. Uh, Bernadette says, middle of the street. So I guess you need to park it in the middle of the street. (laughs) Another person writes, uh, Cairo66 says, park it in Florida. So I guess you gotta leave the winter, take a drive down to Florida, or unless you're from Minnesota, which is different, but they get winter there too, right? I like this answer that Rebecca Dunnell uh, gives us on Twitter. She says, in someone else's cleared spot. Now, the reason why I like this, and I think it's funny, because it's not funny if it happens to you, but in Montreal and in Quebec, and probably in Ontario and parts of Canada and everywhere else the place where you get snow, oftentimes they put these signs up and tell you you can't park between this time and this time where snow removal operations are gonna commence. So you try to get yourself a nice spot. You shovel it out, or you park on the side, you shovel, you shovel the whole area you get your car in, or you shovel enough to get your car in. And then you leave. Or you shovel it all, and you, you left your car over there, and then you left for some reason, and somebody comes and takes your spot. It's the worst, because you didn't spend 20 minutes shoveling that spot. You spent probably an hour or two shoveling that spot, and you come back, and you're furious. I, li- I like that answer. It it, it brings back memories, because it used to happen a lot. I don't Now I don't have that issue so much, because I actually have a parking spot. It used to happen to me, and I'd get so mad. I mean, what are you going to do, right? You don't own the parking spot on the streets. Although one of my neighbors thought he did. Kept leaving post-it notes on everybody's door. He's like, D-. he'll write on it. Don't park him here. I'm going to call the cops. And he was a 70-year-old man from Romania. And he thought he owned the street. He was really funny. I didn't give him a hard time. I was always nice to him. He's actually an ex-Phys Ed teacher. He-, he liked me. But the one time he, he left a post-it note on my-, on my car, years and years and years ago. And- and I just saw him on the street. And I said to him, I think you forgot something. I just gave it back to him. That's my experience with uh, post-it notes and snow. I'm gonna end this episode and leave you with some of my thoughts. What do I mean by that? Is uh, in my experience, I always follow a simple rule with regards to activities, ideas, things that are happening, peer pressure, you know, uh, new popularity, something that's that just came out. That everybody runs for. If something came out. It's brand new, the trend, something. Or a brand new car came out. Don't be the first one in line to get it. Never be the first person to get it. You want to wait and see. If they get all the kinks out, if there's some information, don't wait two months, don't wait six months. Wait a year if you have to. It's like... When a new system comes out for video games, in the past, everybody would run out to get it and it would be overpriced. But if you waited, price would always come down or you would find out there was something wrong with the first generation of that console or something. And then you would wait for the second generation or an updated version of it and then you would spare yourself some headaches. Now, that's in terms of like actual hardware or uh, manufactured products, right? But in life, if you're sitting in a room and Every single person in that room believes the earth is flat. But you know for a fact the earth is round. And it doesn't matter what you say to those people. It doesn't. Because in that room, you may be the smartest person or happen to know better but you're the stupidest person in the room. And I always use that as a basis for things in terms of exchanging ideas or talking to people, because some, some people just don't know any better and it applies to a lot of things. The other thing to consider, another example, would be if you're sitting in a meeting, business meeting, a group meeting of some sort for say your paper, or university, your staff meeting at a school concerning activities or procedures. If every single person in a meeting agrees on something, Everyone's like, yeah, it's fantastic. But if they always agree on something, I don't know how small it is or how big it is. Like you really need to distinguish between the two. But I'm talking about like philosophy or ideas. Everybody in the room agrees on something. There needs to be at least one person in the room who disagrees. And if there's nobody in that room who disagrees, you need to find somebody who does to keep yourself perspective, to give yourself a different opinion, because just because you believe A, doesn't mean B and C opinions are wrong, or views are wrong, and actually makes you a better person, or maybe it even further cements your position by surrounding yourself with people with different ideas and opinions. You really, we're in a world today where everybody ostracizes other people that don't take into consideration other people's opinions and views, and the second you're different from somebody else, you're cast aside, you're ostracized, Nobody wants to take you seriously. And I'm talking very generally and I'm not focusing on anything specific. I'm just trying to give you, whoever's listening, just to open your mind a little bit and think about that. Everybody in the room thinks the same. There needs to be somebody else in that room who thinks differently. And... Sometimes the difficult part is to be that person like you know what you stand up and you say something wrong here Like I you sure about this you got to question it and the real point I'm trying to make is you need to question Everything you need to question things even if everything sounds good looks good question it Don't don't take it base value really questioning so I want to leave everybody with that final thought and just some more points going forward for uh, the podcast we're at the end of the podcast next episode we're going to focus on uh, mental health about some strategies and some things I've done in my life to help me with them, um, you know, anxiety. Anxiety is a big one for people, depression, stress, concussions, and I'm going to give you some of my pointers and things that help me and talk about a bit of my experiences in my uh, in my past and uh, you might learn a couple of things that nobody knows, maybe one or two people, not even my close family. So yeah, so I think maybe I'll share that with, with everybody this way and You'll get to learn a little bit about me a little bit more. And uh, that's going to be the next episode. I really hope you enjoyed uh, this episode too. Building on episode one and episode two, Wrong Answers only podcast. Mr. Mike signing off, saying thank you, and I'll see you next time.